Welcome. At the beginning of Parshas Miketz, we read of Pharaoh's famous dreams. Paro has a dream of seven skinny, sickly-looking cows that swallow up seven nice-looking fat cows. And he also dreams of seven thin, measly-looking stalks of grain that swallow up seven healthy, strong stalks of grain. I would like to focus not on the content of the dreams themselves, that there is certainly what to talk about, but rather I'd like to focus on one Pusik, which talks about Paro's reaction to the dreams, and one Rashi comment about that. And ultimately I'd like to perhaps come to some understanding as to why these dreams are so important. I mean, here we are 3,000 years later, approximately, and we are still studying these dreams that were dreamt by this idolatrous king all those many years ago. Is the Torah really so concerned with this man's dreams? So let's begin. The Torah tells us about the dreams. It tells us what, what Paro saw. And then in Perak Memalef, Pasuk Ches, it says as follows, And it was in the morning, And Paro's spirit was Well, this is going to be a major uh, focus of the Shir, exactly what is the meaning of the word So I'm going to leave it untranslated at the moment. Something happened in Paro's spirit, in his soul, in his mind, after he saw these dreams. He was in some way apparently very affected by what he had seen. And he sent and he called for all of the Khartoume of Egypt, all of the uh, apparently some form of magician or fortune teller, and all of its all of its chachamim, all of its wise people. And Paroi told to them his dream, but there was no one who could um, interpret it for Paroi. Let's take a look here at Rashi. Rashi says, Now this is a quotation from Targum Unculus. The word Ruchei obviously corresponds to the word Rucho, his spirit, and the word umitarfa apparently corresponds with the word vatipa'im. The question is, what has Rashi accomplished by, by telling us, what has he made clearer by quoting the Targum? You look at the word vatipa'im, it's not so obvious at first glance what that word means. Rashi quotes the Targum, umitarfa ruchei. Well, what does the Shurish Tavresh Pei mean? Um, it is the Shurish of the very common, of, of the word trefa or Litreif. Litreif means to grab something or to, to, to grab at something and to tear something. That's why an animal, if, if a cow, for example, has been torn apart by a, by a fox or a lion, so it's called trefa, and you're not allowed to eat it. Trefa doesn't mean also to eat, the word trefa means it has been torn, it has been damaged. Maybe, maybe that's what it means, vatipo em rucho. 
I mean, we'll talk about this more, but I, just at the very first glance, Batipa'im, the Shoresh Pei Ayin Mem, is equivalent to the Shoresh Tavresh Pei in Aramaic. Not so obvious what, what Rashi is, means by that. Now Rashi continues, Rashi uh, clarifies. He says, Mikashkeshes Biseicho His soul was banging inside of him like a bell. Okay, now we have the word vatipa'im, the shorish pe'ayin mem, and Rashi is connecting that with the shorish pe'ayin mem of the word pa'amon, which is a bell. And he says, mikashkeshes besocho kepa'amon. It was banging within him like a bell. So, vatipa'im rucho, his spirit was banging within him like a bell. I mean, now that we know that tipa'im is like the word pa'amon for a bell, what do we even, why do we need the Targamunculus umitarfaruche? What did that accomplish? We'll talk about that. Okay, but Rashi has uh, expressed his opinion. What is the translation of Vatipaim Rucho? His spirit was banging within him, within him like a bell. That's how upset he was about what he had seen. Now, Rashi addresses something else. Uvinevuchadnezar Oimer. In a Pasuk about Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Bavel, a Pasuk in the beginning of Sefer Daniel, near the beginning, it says, Vatispa em rucho. It says that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Vatispa em rucho. Now, the Shoirish of the word Vatispa em is obviously the same Shoirish as the word Vatipa em. But Vatipa em is a Lushan Nifal. It is a passive tense in the future. In the future, but it's vav hamehapeches. So, vatipa'im is past tense, passive. His spirit was knocked upon. His spirit was, 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 was uh, dealt a blow. Like, a, like the knocker inside of a bell knocks on the bell. Vatispa'im is Lushan hispoel. It normally means when you do something to yourself. Like if a person puts on his clothes, you say, yit labesh, mit labesh. He is dressing himself. A person takes a bath, mit rachets. He is washing himself. So here, vatispa'im is in that form. Rashi wants to know what, why, when Paro had a bad dream, it says vatipa'im rucho in the passive, but uh, when, when Nebuchadnezzar had a bad dream, uh, the, the, the Pasuk expresses it in a different grammatical form. Vatispa'im. So Rashi says, Because in, in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, there were two pi'imois, there were two knockings upon his, upon his soul. Shikha sachaloim, there was the forgetting of the dream itself. It says there in the Psukim that we will see him, Yitz Hashem. It says there that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, a disturbing dream, but he forgot what the dream was. He just knew that he had seen something that disturbed him. And also the hiding of its interpretation. He, he didn't know what, what, what the dream meant either. I suppose it's possible you could see a dream which has certain symbols and, and, um, and you know that the meaning of the symbols is you're going to eat a hamburger Tuesday night, but maybe you don't remember what the symbols were. 
That's possible. But in this case, Nebuchadnezzar forgot both things. He forgot the, the plain uh, content of the dream. He also didn't know what it meant. And so he went looking for, for advice. So Rashi says, that's why by Nebuchadnezzar, it says, Vatispoim, which Rashi's interpretation is not so, not so easy or obvious, but Rashi is interpreting that, when, that here in Daniel, where the Pasuk uses the Hispoel form, it's referring to two peimais, two knockings upon the soul. In, here in Sefer Bracious, in Parshas Miketz, regarding Paro, there's only one thing that Paro didn't know. He didn't know what the dream meant. He remembered what the dream was. He just didn't know what it meant. So here it says, in a different form, Vatipaim Rucho. That's the Rashi. And I'd like to raise the following questions. Some of these questions I've really mentioned already. First question is, why does Rashi quote the Targum, Umitarfa Ruche? What is he gaining with that? Is Tav Reish Pei in Aramaic equivalent to Kof Kufshin Kufshin Likashkesh in Hebrew? I mean, is that, is that so? Uh, Rashi says that the, the meaning of Vatispaim is, Vatipaim is Mikashkeshis Besecho Kifamon. It was banging on him like a bell. But he begins by quoting the Targum, Umitarfa Ruche. Are these two shorashim, are these two roots equivalent? Doesn't seem so. So why does Rashi quote the Targum? Question number two. Rashi seems to be saying that Vatipa Emrucho means that Pare's spirit was clapping or beating. But where do we find that that's the meaning of the root, Pei Ayin Mem? I mean, we do find the word for bell is Pa'amon, Rashi does not quote any Pusik for that. Um, is there a Pusik in Tanakh that uses the word Pa'amon? Yes, there are. Although, okay. But I'm, I'm raising the question. Where do we see that the word Pei Ayin Mem means to clap or to hit? And third, which I think is in some ways the biggest question, is that Rashi here launches into a discussion What's the difference between this Pasuk that says Vatipa Em Rucho and a Pasuk in Daniel which says Vatispa Em Rucho? We all know the principle, because I've said it so many times, that when there is some sort of contradiction or some sort of difference between an earlier Pasuk and a later Pasuk, where will Rashi usually raise the question? He will usually only raise it when he comes to the later Pasuk. I mean, it, it, and again, as we've said many times, the logic is quite understandable. We have here a Pusik that says, Vatipa Em Rucho. Okay, it's not the easiest Pusik in the world to understand, but, but Rashi explained it to us. He told us how to translate it. Why would it bother me now that there's a Pusik in Daniel which says it in a slightly different grammatical form? I'm not learning Daniel now. When we come to say for Daniel... And when Rashi comes to write his commentary on Sefer Daniel, which he did eventually, he, explain, he should explain it there. But at this point, there doesn't seem to be any problem with this Pusik. So why would Rashi here quote a later Pusik and discuss the difference between them?
Before I begin to tell you what I think about my first question, I would like to admit that everything I'm going to say does not totally convince me. The question is, Rashi seems to equate the Aramaic root, Tav, Resh, Pei, with the Hebrew root of Kuf, Shin, Kuf, Shin, or Kuf, Shin. I'm not going to get into the, the, uh, the deep subject, deep and confusing subject of how many letters must we say are in each Hebrew root. I'm just going to assume it's a four-letter root for now. Maybe it's really a two-letter root, and the two letters are repeated. That's not my issue now. But Rashi seems to say that these two roots are equivalent. Where do we see such a thing? So one place to look is in a Pusik in Tehillim, Perak Ayan Zion, Pusik Hay, where it says, Nifamti Vuleyadaber. I was Nifam. So again, I'm not going to translate before we see what Rashi says, but I was Nifam, and therefore I could not speak. Rashi there in his commentary says, Bitsores Sha'ani Ro'eh, in all of the travails. That I see. The, 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 the author of Tilim there is talking, uh, certainly according to Rashi, about various travails and sufferings that Am Yisrael is going to have to deal with in their Golas. So Rashi says, In the problems and the travails that I see, my spirit was nifamo, this shirish of pei ayin mem. Of course, Rashi is just bother, borrowing that from the Pasuk. Ve'ain hadibor bi, and therefore, I do not have speech. I don't. I, I have lost the power of speech. Now the targum. There is a targum on kesuvim. The targum there says itarfes v'lo amalel. Lo amalel means I will not speak or I cannot speak. But on nifamti, the targum is itarfes ayin tes resh pe yud sov. So. This is the Shoirish, Tav Resh Pei. So here you see the Pasuk says, the Lashon Kodesh uses the word Pe'ima, Pe'ayin Mem, Nifamti, and the Targum says, Itarafis. So we see there is a, uh, an equivalence between these two Shoirishim. Exactly what do they mean? <laughs> Rashi's not exactly telling us here. But you do see that Pe'ima in Hebrew is translated as itarafes in, in Aramaic. And it, it, by context, it would seem to mean some sort of a hit, some sort of a blow. Nifamti, I was hit, I was struck. Vulayadaber. And that the Targum translates itarafes. Mizrahi, in his commentary on Rashi here in Parshas, Miketz, in his super commentary, in his commentary on Rashi, says that the word in the Targum, mitarfa, is like the expression that you find in Mishnayas, there's a Mishnah in Mesech the Shabbos, in other places, there's an expression, beitzim trufais, which means mixed or beaten eggs. The truth is, in some places, Rashi and other Mepharshim say, not so much that the eggs are beaten, but that they are mixed with oil, but okay, maybe when they mix them with oil, they beat them. So mitarafa is like beitzim trufais. So therefore, we can understand a little bit that when, when Rashi takes the words in the Pusik, batipa emrucho, 
and he explains it by quoting the Targum. Umitarfaruche, it means that my soul was beaten. And then Rashi clarifies a little more. He says, my soul was being knocked about like a bell. It was being knocked on like a bell. Now, regarding the Rashi's, um, Rashi's reference to the bell, so Mizrahi says the following words. He says, Pisrain Inyan, Voloi Perush Milo. This is an interpretation of the Inyan, of the context, of the meaning, rather than a Perush Milo, rather than the actual meaning of the word. In other words, Mizrahi is saying that this, apparently what he's saying is the, the word, um, the word Vatipa'im, the Shoirish Pei'ayin Mem, is not really identical in its root meaning to the word mikashkeshes, like a pahamayin. Rashi's just explaining the, the, the context of what's going on. He's saying that Paroi, Paro said, um, Paro's soul was hit. His soul was banged. And Rashi says, and that's sort of like the way uh, the, the knocker inside the bell bangs on the bell. doesn't mean that Mikashkeshis is really equivalent to Pi'ima. It's just explaining the, the reality of the situation. Not so much the words, but the, but the picture, the reality. There is a place in Tanakh where I think you can see even without this uh, Targum here in, in Miketz and without the Targum in, in Tehillim, there's a place where you can see that Pei Ayin Mem perhaps is equivalent to Likashkesh. It says in Yeshayahu, in, in Yeshayahu there it is, it is describing how certain people are working together on a certain project. They're building some court, sort of a vessel or some sort of a some sort of a structure. The context is not important for now. But the Pasuk there says as follows, The Chorosh, the carpenter, will be Mechazek, he will strengthen the Tzoreif. The Tzoreif is the metal worker. And in other words, the Pasuk is saying that one worker will strengthen and help and encourage the other. Machlik patish es palm. And the one who is machlik patish, the one who wields the hammer, or he smooths out the hammer, he will be mechazek, he will encourage the hoilem pa'am. Now Rashi says, what is hoilem pa'am? Hu ha-maschil This is the person who starts the malacha when all you have is an eshes. An eshes is like a lump of of pottery of clay or a big lump of metal when, when all you have is just a big lump of material. So that's called the eshes. And the person who is holeim pam, what does he do? Rashi says, umake b'chol kocho. And he bangs with all of his power. The word holeim in a number of places means to bang on something, to hit something. So holeim pam, he bangs a bang. Poam means a banging. So here we see that um, you have the word poam, 
and it means banging, like, like, so that, that could be what Rashi means here in, in Miketz, that Vatipa im Ruchai means Ruchai mikashkeshes besaycho kepa'amoyn. Could be that really Pamon is just an example. Rashi is not interested in the fact that Pamon seems to have the same root as Vatipoim. Could be really Rashi's point is that Vatipoim is equivalent to the idea of Likashkesh, of banging. As you see in the Pasuk in Yeshaya, that there's such a person called the Hoylem Pam, the one who strikes a bang, who strikes a blow. And in fact, in the Pasuk in Daniel that Rashi quotes, Batispa im Rucho, Rashi in, on Daniel in his commentary says, Loshen Pe'ima Vahalima. Batispa im is an expression of Pe'ima and Halima, of banging and delivering a blow. Again, as I said before, it's still not totally clear to me the mechanics of this first part of Rashi. Why Rashi begins by, by quoting the Targum, umitarfa ruchei, he seems to be equating the root tavresh pei with the root pei ayin mem, and that is not totally clear. He then goes on to talk about, he says, vatipa em rucho means mikashkeshes besoichei kefamoin, seems to be equating the root of vatipa em with the root of Kufshin, Kufshin, which I can find a source for. Why he mentions the Pa'amon, the bell? Okay, perhaps we have to say like Mizrahi. He's not really bringing in the bell because he, because the word bell in Hebrew has the same letters as the word Vatipa'im, has the same root. Perhaps Rashi's not interested in that. He's just explaining to us what it was like. Paro's bell was wrong. Vatipa'im, Rucho. Lahavdil, uh, when, a, when a boxer receives a really good punch and it, and it knocks him over or it really stuns him, they say his bell was rung. So that's what happened over here to Paray. Our second question was, why does Rashi bring in here, in his commentary on Miketz, the verse in Daniel? It is not usually Rashi's way to discuss later psukim. Well, I think we have to say as follows. Rashi begins his comment here with his interpretation of vatipoim, as we have just discussed. But Rashi's interpretation that vatipoim means mikashkeshes besoichei kefamoin, that his spirit was banging within him like a bell, it's not obvious, as we just discussed. It's not so obvious that the word vatipoim means Likashkesh, the, 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 the sources for that in Tanakh are not so clear, nor is Rashi's interpretation incontrovertible, meaning it's not the only possible interpretation, because if we look at some of the other commentaries, the other great and early commentators, they, many of them have a different approach here. Rashbam, who happened to be Rashi's own grandson, translates Vatipa Emrucho as Nishalfa Datoi. His das, his mind was turned away from him, like he didn't know what to think about it. And he continues to say that after Vatipa Emrucho, so then he, he went 
to his Chachamim to find out some interpretation. So Rashbam is not saying that Fatih Pa'im Ruchoy means his spirit was banging like a bell. No. He's saying it means his mind was was turned away, was, was somehow removed from the meaning of what he saw. And therefore he went for advice. Rabbeinu Sadia Ga'in translates, he really translated it into Arabic, but it has been translated back into Hebrews for, for those of us who don't speak Arabic. Rabbeinu Sadia Ga'in says, Nis'atzva rucho. His spirit was nis'atzva. It was atsev. Uh, atsev could mean saddened or, or ennerved. He was in a nervous state after what he saw. So again, he doesn't seem to be saying that Vatipo Aim means he was struck like a bell. He was, he was set on his nerves. The dream got on his nerves. That's what it means, Vatipo Aim Rucho. Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, the great commentator, better known for his comments on Nevi'im Uksuvim, but there is, he also has a commentary on Bracious. Radak says, Nishbara Rucho, Midagasoi, his spirit was broken because of his worry about the dream. So he seems to be saying vatipo aim means that Fari's spirit was broken. Not that it was banged like a like like a like a bell, but rather his spirit was broken. In fact, in the Pusik and Tillam that we mentioned before, Tillamai and Zion, hey. It says, Nifamti Adaber, and there Radak in his commentary on Tehillim says, Ani Nishbar I am broken, and therefore I cannot speak. So you see that um, I don't know what his proof is, other than the context, but he understood that pay ayin mem can mean to break. Now, since there are a number of other ways, presumably reasonable ways to explain the Pasuk, as we see from these three great commentaries. And since Rashi's own way of saying that it means that Paray's spirit was rung like a bell is not so, not so obvious, so therefore it's understandable that Rashi would want to strengthen his interpretation. He would want to, quote-unquote, prove his interpretation. Now, I don't mean that he really wants to prove it to the point that no one can ever disagree with it, but he wanted to strengthen it. How did he strengthen it? He strengthened it by quoting the Pasuk in Daniel, Vatispa em Rucho, which he understood to mean, really he's quoting from a Midrash, which our Chazal tell us means that the Pa'ima, whatever Pa'ima means, but the Pa'ima was repeated. Rashi says the difference between vatipa'im and vatispa'im is that vatipa'im means something happened once because there was only one problem, that Parai didn't know the interpretation of the dream, whereas vatispa'im means that the pe'ima was repeated. It was doubled because there were two things that Nebuchadnezzar didn't know. He didn't know what he had seen in his dream. He forgot it, and he certainly didn't know what the dream meant. Now, why, did, why, why is that important? Because if you look at the other interpretations, they are not talking about a type of action 
that is generally repeated. If we say, for example, like Rajbam, that Fatipaim means nischalfa datoi, his mind was turned away from understanding. Okay, I mean, you could, un- you could not understand something today. You could not understand something tomorrow or next week. It could happen many, many times, but it's not something that in its nature comes in, in sets, comes in doubles. The Rasag, Rabbeinu Sadia Ga'in, says that Vatipa'im that means that he became upset, he became nervous because of what he saw. Again, yes, it's possible you could be upset today, upset tomorrow, upset next week, but becoming upset is not something that comes in pairs or in multiple, multiple instances. You could be upset today and not be upset again for the next five months, if you're lucky. And if you try not to let things affect you, it's not necessarily and naturally something that repeats. Radak says that Vatipa Emruchai means that his spirit was broken. Again, broken is not, it can happen once and then again, but it's not by its nature something that repeats. Whereas Rashi is now, I think what Rashi means to say is, but my interpretation that Fatipa'im means it was banged like a bell, that is something that, that does happen usually more than once. So certainly it is natural for it to happen again and again. It is an action that is, in the normal course of events, is very often repeated. Truth is, it's probably unusual that a person rings a bell once. You go ding, 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 ding. That's already, you ding, 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 ding. It's four times. It's something that is repeated. So Rashi, I think, is saying that the posik in Daniel is supporting my interpretation of the word vatipa'im. And that's why he brings it in. He doesn't bring it in because he was interested in explaining a posik in Daniel. As far as explaining a posik in Daniel, he can wait until he writes his commentary on Daniel. But he wanted to strengthen his interpretation of the word vatipa'im. If we go to, to the Rashi's comment on Sefer Daniel, I think we will see that he says more or less the same thing, but with certain very important differences, which I think support what I'm saying here. The Pesach there says, the In the second year of the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed some dreams. And his spirit was, we'll follow Rashi, his spirit was banged like a bell. And his sleep was broken upon him. That's how Rashi interprets the word niyasa. Now, let's see Rashi's commentary there in Daniel. Now, instead of explaining to us the meaning of the word vatispa'im, the way, which is how he begins his commentary in Pashas Miketz, instead, Rashi here addresses the difference between the two psukim, the difference between this Pasuk in Daniel and the Pasuk in Pashas Miketz. Rashi says, Befare nemar vatipa'im rucho. Regarding Paro in his dreams, it says vatipa'im rucho. In the uh, past tense, passive voice, as we explained before. 
because it was only uh, hidden from him, the interpretation of the dream. It was really only one problem. I don't know what the dream means. He knew what the dream was. He didn't know what it meant. The Khan, but here in Daniel, Shinela Mimenu Gam Hachaloim. Here it was uh, hidden from him, even the dream itself. You, you can see that that's not Rashi Sridish. That is obvious from the Psukim. If you take a look over there in the Psukim, the Nebuchadnezzar could not even remember what the dream was. So Nichbala Halashan, therefore the word was doubled. Vatispaim. Rashi understands that the use of that form indicates that it happened again, happened a second time. And now, at the end of his comment, Rashi to, explains to us what the word batispaim actually means. What is, what is the root meaning of the word? He says, l'shoin pe'ima v'halima. is an expression of banging and, and hitting. Now, we, we see, I really pointed it out already, but let's just make it very clear. We see here two very important differences between the Rashi in Miketz and the Rashi in Daniel. The two differences are, are not in the content of what he says, but in the way he arranges what he says. In Daniel, Rashi first deals with the difference between Vatipa'im and Vatispa'im. And I think he does that because this is the later of the two verses, and therefore, that is the first question that he has. We're looking at a second verse, and it uses this phrase, tispa'im or tipa'im. It's the second time in the Torah where you have this phrase. But Rashi is a little bit uh, curious. He's curious. Why is it slightly different? Why is it that in Miketz it said vatipa'im, but here it said vatispa'im? So that's first on his agenda. Why, if the Pasuk is essentially saying the same thing, that a person had a dream and it somehow disturbed him, why is it being stated here in a different grammatical form? That's first on the agenda. Only afterwards does Rashi address the actual meaning of the root, pei ayin mem. Masha'en ken, which is not the case in the Rashi and Parshas Miketz. Over there, the difference between the Pasuk in Miketz and the Pasuk in Daniel is not Rashi's main concern, because there we're talking about the first place where this phrase, Vatipa Eim Rucho, is used. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. But what do we care if it's used hundreds and thousands of psukim later in a different safer, in a slightly different way? That, that's not relevant to now. So there the first thing that Rashi does is he quotes the Targum in order to explain what the what the Shurish Pei Ayin Mem means, and he says it's like Mikashkeshes Kapa'amun, and then, only then, because he has gone out on a limb, so to speak, and he has told us what Vatipa'im means, but he knows that it's not, he knows that it's not incontrovert, incontrovert, incontrovertible. He knows it's not the easiest explanation of the world. He then reinforces his idea by discussing the Pusik in Daniel. So we see from the order of Rashi's, the, the, the order in which Rashi addresses the issues, we can see what he was concerned with in each of the two Psukim. All of this is on the, what I call the technical level. There is a very important question about this Rashi comment, really about 
Well, let's say about the Rashi comment, a question that is raised by the commentator Chiskuni. Rashi says that Paroi remembered his dream, he just didn't know the meaning. So therefore it says, Vatipa em rucho, his heart beat like a, like a bell. Something, he had a pain in his heart, he had a pain in his spirit. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar didn't even know what the dream was. He just knew that it was disturbing. And therefore it says, Vatispa aim, that it banged, his spirit banged twice. It banged once because he couldn't remember the dream. That's kind of annoying when you, when you know you've had a dream, but you can't remember it. And it also banged him a second time because he didn't know what the dream meant. Okay, why? Why, would, why did it happen like that? Why did a Kodesh Baruch Hu allow Paro to remember his dream? Just the interpretation was missing. And why did a Kodesh Baruch Hu cause Nebuchadnezzar to forget his dream? There was, I mean, we're not talking about small things over here. Here, regarding Paro, we're talking about the elevation of Yosef to his post as Mishnah Lamelech and the many important things that came about because of that. In the case of Nebuchadnezzar, we're talking about a dream which reveals thousands of years of future history. So why is it that Paro remembered the dream, but Nebuchadnezzar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, caused him to forget his dream? And the Chizkuni answers as follows. He says, the, the interpretation that Yosef gave to Paro's dream was regarding current events. Yosef told him that the dream represented that there are going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of plenty of food would grow in Mitzrayim, followed by seven years of famine. And he meant right now, this is going to begin immediately, more or less immediately. It was an interpretation regarding current events. Daniel's interpretation of Paroi's dream was about the distant future. It was about the end of days and Yemosa Mashiach and, and uh, such things and, and certain exiles that Klai Yisrael would, would have to undergo, but, but not, not for hundreds of years. It was about the distant future and therefore explains Chizkuni that the chances of, the, of each interpretation being accepted were very different. The, the t- interpretation that Yosef was going to give regarding current events was very likely to be accepted by Paro as long as it fit the symbolism of the dream, which it certainly did. First there were seven fat cows, and then there were seven skinny cows. That represents the, the years of plenty and the years of famine. Paro was very likely to accept that in interpretation since it fit the dream, it fit the symbolism, and he would therefore promote Yosef, which is really what this whole thing is about. That's really why he had these dreams, so that he would look for someone who can interpret it, and who would it be? It would be Yosef, because he had correctly interpreted the dreams of the, uh, the Sarhamashkim. The whole point was to elevate Yosef. So Hashem did not cause Paray to forget the dream. If Paro would forget the dream, and he would go to Yosef, and Yosef said, I know the dream that you had. You had a dream about seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. It means you're going to have seven good years and then seven very uh, years of famine. 
Pharaoh might not believe him. Like, well, how do I know that you even know what my dream was? Maybe you made up the whole thing. So it was better, it served the purpose better if Pharaoh would remember his dream. And then when Yosef would give the interpretation, Pharaoh would see that it fits and he would believe him and he would elevate Yosef. But Daniel's interpretation did not have such a high chance of being accepted. I mean, why, why, why should Nebuchadnezzar believe him? You're telling me what's going to happen in, in a thousand years. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to be here. Who, who's going to check up on you? There's less, the chances are lower that it's going to be accepted. So how could a Kodesh Baruch Hu bring about that Nebuchadnezzar would accept the dream? The answer is, he caused Nebuchadnezzar to forget the dream, and not only was he going around looking for an interpretation, but he was going around looking for someone who could remind him what his dream was. And when Daniel was able to tell him what the dream was, and Nebuchadnezzar was able to say, oh, yeah, you're right, that's what the dream was, and he provides an interpretation, well, he's now more likely He's now very likely to believe the interpretation. Also, if this person, Daniel, is so insightful or perhaps so prophetic that he can even know what I was dreaming, and I myself temporarily forgot, if he even knows what I was dreaming, so then when he tells me what the dream means, I, I ought to listen to him. He probably has the correct interpretation. So Kodesh Baruch Hu brought it about that Nebuchadnezzar should forget the dream, Daniel should remind him of what it was, and then present the interpretation, and he would be believed. What do we see from all of this? Is that all of this discussion in this narrative here in Miketz and in the narrative in, in Daniel, it's not really about dream interpretation. It's not because the Torah wants to tell us how to interpret dreams. The dreams were a means to bring about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plans, and therefore, and not as, a, not as an end to, him, to themselves. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu manipulated the situations in such a way that Yosef's interpretation would be believed, and he would be promoted to be Mishnah Lamelech over all the great kingdom of Mitzrayim. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu manipulated the events in a different way regarding Nebuchadnezzar, so that Daniel would be promoted to be a, a, a prime advisor to the king.